0: have chosen to write their own vows. So Sarah. I promise to care for you and love you our entire life. I promise to be your best friend. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just be saying best friend, okay? Pete's my best friend. Hold up. I thought I was his best friend. We've been through a lot together. Gosh, we have been through so much together. Second grade was really rough for us. I remember when he fell off the monkey bars. I mean, he gave me his fruit roll-up. I mean, I gave him my fruit roll-up. That was like, (sighs) I hope he knows that he's my best friend. Our friendship has survived so much. (laughs) You think that this is gonna divide us? I promise to be your most loyal friend. I'm loyal too. She is confusing me so much right now. She is my wife, he is my best friend. Who's the best friend here? Who? As this journey of life completely changes us, we'll be together forever. Dude! 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 Aw, he's crying. (laughs) I'm gonna have to be gluten free. Oh man, dude, you go gluten free. I have to be gluten free. I don't want to be gluten free, man. It's the end of an era, Davis. It's the end of an era. Yes, I am crushing these vows. I would like to object right now. But I want to do it at the right time. Please don't do it, Pete. Look, I'm going to object. I'm going to object. My hand's going up. My hand's going up. It's going up. I object. We're going to miss those couples, aren't we? Oh, temptation, man. Oh, boy. So today is our last installment of In the Ring, Fighting for Your Marriage. Uh, next week, as it's already been mentioned, we begin a new series, Secrets. It's uh, three parts, and uh, we'll uh, be going through some of the things that uh, uh, we wonder if people even know about us, uh, what are we hiding in our lives, and it, it sounds like, ooh, I don't know if I want that series. But really, the long-term outcome of that series is some words that Solomon, uh, the wisest man who ever lived, uh, some say. Uh, wrote these words, and he said uh, this. He said, If you cover up your sins or your secrets, you'll you'll never do well. But if you confess them and forsake them, you'll be blessed by mercy. And uh, most of us don't ever come to terms with the idea that really uh, some of those secrets, some of those sins, uh, open up the door for God's mercy in our life. So as we start into that series next week for three weeks it uh, might start a little bit hard, uh, but as we get to the end of it, uh, really, I, I'm looking forward to it because it ends with the idea that God wants to usher in mercy into the secrets of our lives. And so I, I think you'll, uh, that will be that will be pretty good. But till then, uh, we're in part three this morning, and this morning we're going to really look at this idea of male and female similar. Yet different. And you know, uh, there is this similarity, but then there's this difference. We saw that in all the openers we've seen. One thought's going through uh, the bride's mind, one thought's going through the grooms, and uh, they'll they'll get it, but but there is this similarity, yet there's this difference. Uh, we even see it in in aniah in, I can't say the word inanimate objects there we go uh, you know sometimes we see they have more of a uh you know a female kind of a pronoun or a male program pronoun and uh, it's supposed to in a sense kind of uh describe what's going on or describe those characteristics i mean up until i think it was 1979 uh hurricanes were uh, always classified as as female as she And uh, you know, I have to be honest with you, I've met some hurricanes that are women, but I've also met some hurricanes that are men. And uh, it wasn't until 1979 that they decided to go either or every time. And uh, what was kind of funny is I looked that up, I found out that the two names that they retired back in 1979, the first year they did that, was David and Frederick. That's my first name and that's my middle name. And I wondered if my mother had something to do with that. But uh, that is the time I turned 13, and the two hurricanes that year were, I guess, named after me. But anyway, this idea, again, of being similar yet different. And to try to get us into this thinking, to try to see this a little bit, I came across uh, some of these ideas, and I thought I would share them with you. I'm going to take six inanimate objects, and I'm going to ask you, is this male or is this female? Okay, and so we'll see if you're right, and uh, I think I am right, but, uh, but we'll see what, what you think. All right, so first object is hammer, male or female? Male. Yeah. No female takers out there? Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, we got one, but it is male, and, and the reason for this is, is a couple things. First of all, it uh, hasn't changed much in the last 5,000 years. <laughs> Sorry, guys, uh, not really exciting, it's a hammer, yet at the same time, it's nice to have around. All right, here we go, buckle up, I'm going to get myself really alienated from both male and female this morning. All right, next one, remote control. Yeah. No, 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 that's very confusing because actually I think it's a uh, female because the remote gives a man pleasure... They are lost without it, and it helps with our self-image when we're holding it. So remote control definitely is uh, female. (sighs) Ziploc bags. Yeah, I use them a lot. Yeah, you do use them a lot? I I actually, yeah, all right. No one dares because they're going, he's just off the wall. All right, we're going to say this is male. And uh, this is because they, they hold everything inside, and you can see right through them. So that's definitely a male, right? Okay. All right. Next one a sponge. Male, female. Ah, uh, female. All right. Uh, soft and squeezable. And they retain water. Okay. Thank you for these donuts, love. Thank you for these apple fritters. I won't be getting anything else to eat the rest of the day. All right. Tire. Male. Yeah, 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 male. Uh, Going bald. Often overinflated. OK, all right. Uh, All right, our last one is one of these. It's a copy machine. Female, very good. Yeah, female. Uh, here we go. Gotta loosen them. Once they're turned off, it takes a long time for them to warm up. <clears throat> it gets worse. Great at reproduction if you know the right buttons to push. All right. Back to his eyes, fighting for your marriage. Male and female, similar yet different. And uh, because of that, if we're not careful, we've seen all along, week number one, we've seen that really most issues in relationship and marriage, of course, uh, come when our expectations aren't met. We have different expectations. We're similar, we have expectations, but uh, again, we're different. And when those expectations are, are, they don't even have to be Right or wrong expectations, they can just be a different way of looking at. It. I, I know there's been this times, so at least once or twice, uh, where you know I've had certain expectations when I walk in the door. Cindy has different expectations when I walk in the door, and either expectations are valid and fine, but because we haven't talked about our expectations, uh, there's there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of tension because I wanted to do this and she wanted to do that. And uh, over the years, we've learned to, to sometimes call when I'm driving home to say, what's going on tonight? And that's kind of decode, what is your expectations for this evening? We don't have anything going on. You know, what do you want to do? So this idea of expectations. But, you know, there does get to be these moments where the expectations are different. And, and, and it's, it's, it's just hard. And uh, we saw this at the first week when we wrapped things up. We said, what do we do when we're not sure of what to say or do? And, you know, sometimes we, we just don't know. And uh, we want we want the outcome to be positive. And we're just not sure. Uh, sometimes I'll have to say to Cindy, just tell me, yes, no, what you want me to do. I, I have no stake in the game. And, and sometimes when I say that with a little bit of an attitude, it actually creates more of a problem because I'm basically just saying, tell me what to do because I'm, I want to avoid a problem because I think your expectations are going to be different than mine. Mine are a little bit brighter, but, you know, you know so, so what do you do when you're not sure? We said love like God through Christ who loved you. And, and this comes into this whole idea of this mutual submission. Uh, we talked about uh, this submission competition And this whole idea of having Christ and God's fingerprints on our hearts, on our lives, so that when we get into those things, we we just don't have a clue. And we need to love the other person like God, through Christ, has loved us. And uh, if you're still kicking around the tires of faith, you know, this is a hard one for you. Because, you know, I'm going to say from my perspective, I'm a pastor, you're at a church, and so I'm going to say that God connected to your life in your life helps you walk through those times. And, you know, we're going to say that when you say yes to Christ, God connects himself to your life. We're going to say the Holy Spirit uh, comes and and is a part of your life, and and he gives us directions, gives us guidance. That doesn't mean it's... uh, problem-free, but what it does mean is that we just have a little bit more resources so that when you and I are navigating those waters where we're not really sure what to do, we've got God kind of leading us. Now, I've had guys and, and women, you know, make that into an excuse, and they, you know, they say, God's leading me this way, and that that's really not true, but, but when you sincerely are in that place, uh, and you're not sure of what to do, love like God through Christ who loved you. And uh, last week, uh, Cindy and I uh, tag-teamed, and, uh, you know, sorry to let you down. She's not. There's not two uh, stools up here this week, because she did a great job. Thank you for donuts, and thank you for last week. So she was actually listening, or I'm listening, whatever. But uh, this idea that uh, when you get her, you get her. And we could say the same to Sue. When you get him, you get him. When you really listen and learn and discover who that person is, and you start to understand them, and you're trying to discover who they are, and you get them, you actually get the other person's heart. And, uh, and we see, you know, sometimes it's complex things that get the other person. Sometimes it's an apple fritter that gets the person's heart. You, you, you start to see that. And so as we wrapped up last week when we were looking for her, her eyes, it's the same for uh, his eyes. Now, I've said this all along that, you know, this is a PJ-13 message, and I just need to go through this again. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that uh, when you get home, you may need to give some parental guidance to your kids. And that's a good thing. I said last week, and I'll say often whenever we touch on these kinds of things, this really is a gift to you because it brings up a concern. It brings up an issue that uh, not necessarily you talk about all the time around the dinner table or on the way home from church, but this gives you that opportunity. So when your kids are at that age-appropriate time, uh, you know, subjects like this uh, you ought to talk about. Uh, They ought to hear it from you as a parent first rather than hear it from the culture around them or, or their other peers who, who really don't know what they're talking about but think they know what they're talking about. So again, that kind of a thing is, is a gift for you, so I, I hope you, you, you look at it that way. Now, last week, we talked about the five uh, needs that women have. We've got it from this book, His Needs, Her Needs, by a guy named, um, let me just get it right, Willard Harley. Uh, this isn't a Christ-centered book, and we said last week that uh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, just because it's not a Christ-centered book doesn't mean it can't give us a good diagnosis. It can't size up a problem, say, this is a problem. These are issues. Now, sometimes the answer is is weak from our perspective as people of faith, and the same thing with uh, Mr. Harley's uh, answers, they're weak, and we don't get into that. But the fact that he surveyed all these men and women, and this book was, has been out for 25 plus years, it's sold millions of copies, it's gotten some traction in people's lives because they, they see these things to be, be be true and be real in their life. And again, as I get into these, all these five may not be you, and maybe just one or two. Maybe it's three, but at least they give you some ideas to think about as you think about, you know, stepping into the ring, fighting for your marriage. Uh, This is kind of some of the places where a guy uh, comes from. So let's uh, let's get right into it. His five needs and what are they? And these are not. They're in my perspective. They're not in a order today of you know, weakest to highest, you know, that kind of thing. They're just five needs, and at different times of life, these, these needs can eclipse one or the other one. But these are just five concepts we're, we're throwing out there. The first one is admiration. Admiration. And uh, really, again, as we saw last week and the week before, our baseline is this idea of submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. So sometimes the other person doesn't deserve it at all. But the reason you submit to the other person, and we've given more in-depth definitions in previous weeks, but the reason you submit to the other person isn't because they necessarily deserve it, it's out of reverence for Christ. It's because of what Christ has done for you and for me. And so we we submit. Uh, Next verse says, wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands and as you do to the Lord. And this whole idea of, of this idea of submission. And uh, again, this is, this is key, this idea of to the Lord. Now, I, I have discovered that when men live a God-honoring, servant, leadership kind of life, women are more apt to, wives, are more apt to follow their lead. When a man is selfish, and it really is all about him, when he dresses it up in a package, and it's really about him, and he sometimes spiritualizes it, that's not right. But when someone really is looking out for the best interests of another, it's, it's just easier, a little bit easier to follow their lead or swallow. Uh, I can think about that even growing up. I, I knew my parents had my best interest at heart. I, I didn't always like it. I didn't always understand it. But it was just a little bit easier to trust them because uh, they had my best interest at heart. The same thing comes up when it comes to these into this idea of in the ring in marriage. And really, uh, a submission is an invitation to lead. This isn't in your notes, uh, but its submission is an invitation to lead. So, in a healthy relationship, because there are exceptions in the sense of some things that have gone on in the past that people are still walking with a limp. In a healthy relationship, many times, most of the time, you know, a, a, a wife would like her husband to step in and set the tone and lead the household in a positive way. And so, so when we, as as women, <laughs> uh, we as women, that doesn't sound right. But but when women uh, give, in a sense, the opportunity for a man to lead, uh, it it has to be here. You you set the tone. And so, if you don't want your husband to ever lead, then don't submit to him. You know, and I, I've seen some situations where uh, couples married and uh, this, the wife has more expertise in an area, and the husband's getting up to speed. A lot of times it happens in the spiritual world. Uh, maybe the wife has been a Christ follower for years and years and years, and, um, you, you know, and now they're, they're getting married, and now the guy's trying to figure out married life. He's trying to figure out what it means to be other-centered, Christ-centered, but he, but he doesn't know all the spiritual stuff. and and the wife does. And I've watched cases where a wife with art art, steps back and gives him the invitation to lead. And I've also watched in situations where at every turn, when the man tries to lead into that and learn that, he gets slapped down. And I think I've told you the story about Sam and Irma. They've Gone to be with the Lord years and years ago, but Sam was a professional police chief kind of guy, ran for state positions and stuff like that, and uh, all of that. But when he and his wife got married, Irma was definitely the spiritual giant in the home. And Sam tried to lean into leading and every time he would he didn't really see it right now sometimes you got to say hi no honey this but every time so he very quickly within the first few years of their marriage knew that she was the spiritual leader and he had nothing to say about that he would he would succeed on all these areas but she would shut him down and so the time I really discovered that I always wondered why Sam would always be a church but really seemed not to be engaged And he had had a massive heart attack. He was in his early 80s, and I'm in meeting with him. And he says, You know, Dave, Irma takes care of all the spiritual stuff in our life. I thought, Oh, really? Tell me about that. And he started to tell a story about as they were getting married, she knew more, and the way she communicated what she knew shut him out. So he finally said, You know, I want admiration, I don't want shame, I want respect so I'm gonna just back off from this. I'll do everything else, I'll succeed in business, I'll succeed in finances, but I'm just gonna leave this to Irma. And then it was very interesting, they, they had two boys, and this sounds very stereotypical, but those two boys growing up in that home discovered that spiritual engagement was more feminine than masculine. So as time went on, these boys were all over the place. And it's not the only reason But I think some of the reason was that spiritual life, even though they were Christ followers, spiritual life, having a handle on that, was was feminine, not masculine. So if you want to give the man in your life the opportunity to lead, submission letting him lead, he's not going to get it right all the time, he's not Jesus He's not going to get it right all the time. Now that man that does not give us permission to be sloppy, demanding, self-centered. We need to take that with um, some some serious serious thinking. But it's this idea that, that we have this opportunity, and again, and that, that gives us a woman's submission is so important because it's an invitation for her husband to actually lead, set the tone of the family, and have, have this this um this comp- we're, we're each complement each other. So, you know, um, going on to verse 22, we read this again. Uh, wives understand, I love the way Eugene Peterson renders this. Wives understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. So, you know, we get all hung up with the word submission. Again, it's been used in places and in ways that that really aren't right. But it's this idea of support, allow your husband to lead. Because he's wired that. He wants to be admired. He wants to. To be respected. That's why you've got this whole, I think it's even in our uh, library, our resource, this book called Love and Respect. And it's all this idea about how a man communicates love and how a woman communicates respect. Because we're just wired for that. Uh, we we want to be admired. I know in my own life when um Cindy says something as simple as, you're a good man. I'm like, wow. Saying that is better than even apple that I, it just it just it thrills my heart when she when she's not doing it winking like you're a bad man but you're a good man but when she really means you're a good guy, and because that's the person that's most important in my life. So hearing it from her, it just is huge for me. It's huge for me, going through a rough week, and, and she knows what I'm going through or whatever, and she just, she just reinforces, she gives me respect and admiration, and it's, it's, not, it's not she's just saying it because you're supposed to say that. I, I, I think she really believes it, even when I don't feel like a good man. When I don't feel like I'm uh, getting it done. I know on a Sunday morning, it's, it's nice when someone says, hey, great sermon, Dave. I'm like, thank you, thank you. And, uh, but and that, that's all nice and that's all kind. But uh, when Cindy says it, uh, that, that just, okay, that's good. That, that, that satisfies me. So, again, this idea of support. Um, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. We've talked a little bit about that. And uh, the same goes for your wives. Be good wives to your husbands. Respond, be responsive to their needs. And so, again, it's not, it's not about a I get this, you get this. We've talked about that, the compromise kind of a relationship where you almost, in a sense, keep track and as long as it's balanced, you're good. No, no it's being responsive to the other person's needs. And when you're moving in that same direction together, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. It, it's wonderful. Um, you know, I, I, like, I like what uh, Peter says here. He says, the same goes for your wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsibly their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are uh, to any word about God, will be captive by your life of holy beauty. And what Peter's saying here is this, this amazing thing. When, when women, when wives are uh, this responsive, uh, you know, affirmation, it actually turns the hearts of their husbands. And we probably all could share some stories where, uh, you know, a husband just uh, just wasn't into anything and, and the wife hung in there. I'm not abusive, not, you know, but just, just hung in there. And all of a sudden, that that husband is 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 his heart's changed. I can remember this story growing up. There was a, this woman who would come to church all the time. Brought her two boys, and her husband's a great guy, and uh, and uh, just just fantastic guy. He would do work on he did work on my parents' house and that kind of thing. He was a contractor guy, and and all of that. And you just always wondered why he had no connection. Uh, to spiritual things. He was very, again, just really nice. You enjoyed being in his presence. Uh, I can remember I was a little kid. He was doing work, and he was very kind to us as kids, and that kind of thing would take time. It wasn't like, kid, you bother me kind of thing, Uh, and uh, it wasn't until like, I want to say 15, 20 years later, uh, all of a sudden, that just grabbed his heart, and uh, he actually ended up going to, to Bible college and becoming a pastor, and, uh, and again, now you guys are like, oh, no, don't be that respectful because I do not want to be a pastor. I hope that doesn't happen to me. But, but the point of the story is this, that because of her heart responsive to his needs, it, she, he was captivated by it. And it was, it was, it was a holy beauty. Be- beauty. And um, so, again, that affirmation. Um, The next one here is this, is this idea of shared household responsibilities, and you go, what is that? You know, I don't want to go back to the 1950s, what is all that about? And uh, just to have a little fun, I I came across this uh, newspaper article about the 1950s, (laughs) and this is the council... Hate me now, hate me later. This is the counsel that was in the paper to, to women and their, their wives. First of all, have dinner ready. That's that's great. Uh, plan ahead even the night before to have a delicious meal ready on time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal, especially his favorite dish, is a part of the warm welcome needed. And that sounds great. Prepare yourself. I love this. I actually had a friend who got married late, a little bit later, and, and she purposely didn't. They didn't need a job, so she didn't have a job, and she would do this. So I was like, wow, uh, this is crazy. But anyway, it's 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 prepare yourself. <laughs> Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be fresh, refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put a ribbon in your hair, and be fresh looking. He's been—he's just been with a lot of work-weary people. Be a little gay and a little more interesting. His boring day may need a lift, and—and and one of your duties is to provide it. Another one says, clear away the clutter. Uh, you know, make the house immaculate. Another one's prepare the children. Take a few minutes to wash the children's faces and hands if they're small. Good point. comb their hair and if necessary, change their clothes. They are little treasures, and he would like to see them playing the part. <laughs> uh, another one, minimize all noise at the time of arrival, eliminate all noise of the washer machine, the dryer, the vacuum cleaner. Try to encourage his children to be quiet. be happy to see him, greet him with a sworn smile and show sincerity in your desire to please him listen to him. You may have a dozen of important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Ooh. (laughs) I'm not making this stuff. This is 1950s. Uh, Don't greet him with complaints and problems. It goes on and on. Make him comfortable. I like this one. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair, or have him lie down in the bedroom. Have a cool or warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. Speak in a low, soothing, and pleasant voice. You know, those apple fritters were nothing, hon. What is going on with you? I'm insulted by them. (laughs) Make the evening his. Never complain if he comes home late or goes out to dinner or other places of entertainment without you. (laughs) Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure and his very real need to be home and relaxed. Your goal, try to make sure your home is a place of peace, order, and tranquility, where your husband can renew himself in body and spirit. And I almost don't even want to say this last line, but I'm going to say it anyway. A good wife always knows her place. <laughs> Some of you grew up in homes where your moms read that stuff, read that stuff. I mean, that, that is crazy. And, uh, you know, I'll say this, some of the tension that exists in all of this, honestly, is because men, the previous generations, did a horrible job at cherishing their wives. And they expected that kind of thing. But um, at the same time, there's this idea of this shared responsibility. I-, I like to think this is in your notes, this idea of better together better together. So as you start your life together and as life unfolds, you all of a sudden discover that there are some things you're good at, there's some things he, she's good at, and and you start to to let that work out. You compliment one another. I've shared with you before that when we were first married, I took care of the checkbook and that was fine. I was able to write checks and and all of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, as time went on, um, Cindy uh, took over the checkbook Some of the reason was she was just better at adding. I'm terrible at adding, terrible at balancing. Never had a bounce check, but again, but it's just, she was better at that. And uh, again, this whole idea that uh, we trusted each other and we shared responsibilities. This may get in trouble. I'm the one who makes the bed every morning. It's not because uh, I'm the last one in it, but uh, I do make the bed every morning. Uh, You know, I do my own laundry. Uh, you know, you find out the things that uh, that work, but this idea of shared responsibility, not this stereotypical kind of thing. Uh, back when it all got started, in Genesis we read, it's not good for the man to be alone, so I will create a companion for him, a perfectly suited partner. And uh, that that's what we're talking about, this, this shared life together. We share life together. We're better together than not. And all of us bring different things to the table, and we try to figure all that out. And as that's shared, we find that it's just really great. We we end up complementing each other. There there's strengths and weaknesses. When I do premarital counseling, I, you know, and somebody they're they're exactly the same on certain things. That actually I get, get that has a red flag because that means there's going to be some blind spots in their life. That doesn't mean they're incompatible, but it means you need to watch this area. Some sometimes I have a couple that we'll just use finances that are really astute with finances, that, that's fine. Then I have a couple that both of them aren't even aware of it. So there's a blind spot there, or, or there's one that's more generous than the other one. And so, uh, you know, again, again, having this, this complements each other. Now now with this, I, I, need, I need to say this too, is that, you know, when you think about life together, when you think about being married, when you think about finding that perfect suited partner for life, you need to realize that as a Christ follower, this is designed to complement your life, not complete your life. Christ is the one, God is the one who completes your life, completes my life. So as we're thinking about this and we're thinking about marriage and we're thinking about all of this, I've talked to you about this before, uh, one of the things that really attracted me to Cindy is that Cindy loved God and still does more than she loves me. That's where she finds her completeness. I cannot complete her life. I may be good, but I'm not that good. You know, but, you know, she, she has to find that in God. And so even when I, sometimes when a couple's getting together and they're, they're starting to talk about marriage, there's this idea that, oh, now I'm going to be complete. Uh, the, the, your spouse, you can't lay that on them. Uh, there's this shared. There's this better together. Compliment, yes. But not complete. Now we're going to get into some other areas, and I have to say this: you know, when we went through the list last week for her needs, they, they were much more noble and spiritual. And when we get into the guys, they sound like man—it's just not as good a list. But uh, here we go. Number three is an attractive spouse, and you go, "Ooh, what's that mean, guys? Just you know, why are they just uh, interested in external things? You know, what's what's up with that?" Uh, this isn't the idea that we're expecting our wives to be supermodels, uh, but uh, we're, try- we're expecting our wives to be the best they can be. And there is this idea that men in particular uh, need to have chemistry with the person they're going to be with. It has to be there. So there, there has to be some attractiveness um, sometimes uh, you get these situations where, uh, when when the wife goes out, she with her girlfriend, she dresses to the nine yards and just looks unbelievable. But but that's about the only time she does that. And there needs to be this this idea of attractiveness, um, uh, this idea of that. Uh, there's this chemistry there, and it it's just it's just it's just the way guys are wired. And um, so so be thinking about that be thinking about being attractive uh, to your spouse. Um, Song of Solomon write, reads this. Uh, you are as beautiful as Tez, Tezra, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem. Can you imagine saying that to your? you? know, You're as beautiful as Rochester and Boston and Washington, D.C. Different time, different words. As majestic as troops with banners. Is, as majestic as... Tanks with their, you know, anyway, banners, you know, turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilga. You know, but the idea is that Solomon here is captivated by his wife. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- show you a picture. We're not going to go through this. this. Somebody drew what this actually looks like. am like, wow, that's, that's disgusting. But that's what he... Over and over again, they took all the you know all the little imagery out there, but again, this whole idea of being being attractive and and doing your best and uh, you know and 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 that that's that's important. That's important to a man. It's kind of funny that uh, you know when you start dating someone and you bump into another buddy and they say, "Wow, uh, I saw you out with you know Susie Q, or whoever," and and they, they say, "Yeah, well, she's pretty attractive," and the, the guy goes. Yeah, thank you. And you're like, well, why you know you know, thank you. You know, why is the guy thanking anything for the beauty of, of his uh, date or whatever? But there is this idea that uh, there's something that goes on there, that that attractiveness is important to the way God has wired us. Now in First Peter, we read this, and this 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 goes along with this, that we want uh, to make sure the inner beauty connects with the outer beauty. Uh, let your true booty co- booty. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> booty, yeah, that's good. <laughs> let your true beauty come from your inner aren't you happy you don't have to do these messages? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let your true beauty come from inner personality, not a focus on the external. For lasting beauty comes from a gentle and peaceful spirit which is precious in God's sight, and is much more important than the outward adornments of elaborate hair, jewelry, and fine clothes. It doesn't mean that doesn't matter, but really in the best marriages are when the inner beauty makes the outer beauty come alive. So there's, there's a connection there, and uh, that, that's, that's important to a guy, so take that for what it's worth. Um, also, there's this idea of uh, recreational companionship and this idea that uh, guys like to do stuff and, and, you know, you going along with him even when it's not really, doesn't really uh, resonate with you. Uh, back to uh, verse uh, 18 of Genesis 2, said differently. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him not nice? Just right for him. That you're involved in each other's lives. You're not just roommates. You're just not business partners. But you actually, you're, you're, you're right for each other. She's right for you. But a lot of times, uh, you, know, not, you know, women will just, you know, any of the things the guy is interested in kind of like puts it over here. And uh, just doesn't pay attention to those things. Uh, here's here's your guy, and he wants to be companion with you. He wants to do stuff with you. Uh, the stuff that he wants to do doesn't resonate with you, but the idea of doing stuff with him should should be the drive for for you to do those kinds of things. I've shared this video before, but I, I just I just love it, so I got to share it again. <laughs> Come with me. Watch this. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> How many times does Cindy go and uh, act interested in something that I'm interested in because she's interested in me? Usually once, or, once every one or two years, we'll get a really good snowstorm. And we're stuck in the house, and I say, Cindy, let's go take a walk around the neighborhood. She's like, "Okay, and we're out there. I got my ski goggles on." She were like, "Look like the Michelin man." You know, we got all this stuff wrapped around. We're stomping around. The wind's blowing, you know, and all this kind of stuff cuz I think it's so cool to be out there in the snow and everything. And there's Cindy side by side. She she does not like that at all, but she does it for relational companionship. She does those things. Oh, cuts both ways, yes. But, uh, but you know, if you really want to have this close connection with your man, you got to take some interest in some things just because he's interested in it. I mean, you do that for your kids. Kids do all kinds of crazy things, and you you show interest in them, and you really don't, you can't wait till they go through that phase. <laughs> but uh, you show up, you're there, sporting events, whatever, because you're interested in them. And men long for that. Uh, in the book... Uh, love and respect, he talks about uh, side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder kinds of things. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, well, not sometimes, I get these new gadgets all the time, you know, that can do this new little thing. I go, honey, look at this, just like, but she she looks at it and goes, wow, that is neat, you know, and, you know, just trying to be a part of my world. And, uh, again, it's both ways. Like this little Kenyan proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take someone with you, and uh, I think all of us want to have that complementing relationship, that life together. Now, this is, here comes the next one, and uh, buckle up, and you're ready for this. This is one of those ones I don't really want to talk about, but I will, because it's real, uh, that uh, one of men's needs is sexual fulfillment, and uh, this, this, is, this is the way God has married uh, wired you and um, wired us. And, and, and that's actually a good thing, because I want to say this. This is one experience that can be exclusive between you and your spouse. That's unbelievable. Isn't it great that your husbands are wired that way? But you need to be aware. We live in a world where there's a lot out there. And so if we don't have an eye towards this idea of sexual fulfillment, there, there are plenty of free samples around. And that doesn't lessen his responsibility. But you've got to remember that God has wired him like that. And again, isn't that awesome? That is one thing that you can experience with your man that you don't experience with anyone else. And he doesn't experience with anyone else. Isn't it? It's a gift. So you can have that, just the two of you. That, that's, that's fantastic. And so, so this, this is really important. And, and men want to know that their love of their life is actually interested, engaged, not just doing their wifely service to their husband. They, they, they want their spouse to, to show up and be engaged, now, granted, there are times where there's been abuse in the past. There's been heartaches in this area. And, and, and I don't want to ever minimize those things. But our goal is to, to work through those. We may never get to the other side of it. We may always, in a sense, walk with a limp in that area. But we just need to move in that direction because this is a part of how God made uh, men. Um, Song of Solomon, again, talks about this, and this is the, the woman speaking of her, of her of her husband. She says, my dear lover glows with health, red-blooded, radiant, he's one in a million. There's no one quite like him. We actually, as men, want to believe that our wives think that about us. We really do. We really do. Um, we actually would like you to go to what's that? Chip and Joanna, you know Chip and Joanna. You know how they have those little writing, you know, like that wood stuff. I think over every bed it should say this. It's, you know, right over your bed. <laughs> That's me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> to be a little plaque right over. Yeah. <laughs> Men want to know. Men want to know that their wives like being with them intimately. They, 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 yeah, yeah, woo, it's crazy stuff. They want, now this is, we're getting real here because honestly, the church ought to be talking about this stuff because they talk about it everywhere else, louder, everywhere else. Well, why wouldn't you talk about this in the presence where we're trying to follow God with our lives and be who he's made us to be? Um, I won't go into the details of the next full in the blank, but I'll just say it. In the bedroom, your husband desires for affirmation, creativity, and frequency. I mean, that—that's what he desires. Not weirdness, not craziness, but—but but that's what he desires. And um, you know, as, as a wife, coming to terms with that, embracing that, understanding that, is—is is real. It's this, you know. This is this is. Grown-up stuff. Again, I told you, PG-13 today. So as as we're thinking about this, it doesn't mean that we're perfect in this, but we're at least traveling in that direction. And I don't know if you remember earlier, we talked about how a man's prayer life is affected by the way he treats his wife. I don't think that's just for men. I think our spiritual life is affected the way we treat our spouses, so the way women treat their men, and vice versa. And again, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to be moving in a certain direction with this. So God is more concerned with your direction than he is with your perfection, and I think your spouses too. So when it comes to this, it's, it's moving in this direction, it's trying to figure these things out, because... We can have a good 60, 50-year run as a married couple, however that may be. It doesn't, again, have to be 20 years, and then it's just kind of this partnership for the next 30, 40 years. It can be great all the way. And, and, and we, we see we see scenarios. We see an older couple that still seems to be in love with each other got to remember that attention determines direction in every area of our life. Where we're looking, what we're thinking about, where our focus is determines where we start to go. I mean, just try it when you're driving. No, don't try this when you're driving. If you start looking at something, you'll find that the car drifts in that way. It happens every part of life. Happens with our married life. Happens with other parts of a life. Attention determines direction. So seriously, I want to ask you, and I'm not expecting you to necessarily write all this stuff down, but earlier on, we said that this idea of having a relationship with God helps govern this subject, helps helps us to walk through this. So I want you to think about where am I and where I want to be. And that may start right where you are spiritually. Have you said yes to Christ? Have you admitted your need for him, realizing that your life is out of step with God's great design, and you need forgiveness for that? You need to be forgiven for that. Do do you, are you at the place where you believe that Jesus gave his life for you, and you want to accept his forgiveness and, and start a life that way, and choose to invite Christ into your life as the one you are going to follow? You know, that may be your starting point for this whole subject is getting your heart right with God so then you can start getting your heart right with your spouse. Because, again, God is more concerned with your direction than with your perfection. Let's pray. Gracious Father, this has been a little bit of an awkward subject, but it's a real subject. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, anyone in this room that's experienced or even listening online that has experienced Great hurt in this area, uh, that uh, you, you would you would give them healing. Uh, people are abused and, and, and marginalized, and and uh, Lord, we just ask that that you would step into that, and they would find that you can give them mercy and grace. But for those of us who uh, are just trying to do this thing called life, and we're married, or we're thinking about getting married, or we hope to get married someday, or. Or or maybe uh, we've had a marriage that uh, uh, didn't make it or or maybe a a loved one's passed away. We just ask that you'd help us to have a better understanding of this. Help us to be a good voice of reason uh, when uh, we need to share. But uh, Lord, help us as we navigate our marriages that we could have the the best marriage possible. Uh, We just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.